Welcome everyone to Bar Talk, the official podcast of the North Carolina State Bar. I'm your host, Mark Henriquez, and we've got an exciting episode for you today. Um, many people enjoyed our interviews with our other two officers, Marcy Armstrong and Colin Willoughby, and so we've been asked to do a similar deep dive uh, into the unusual personalities of our other two officers. We've got our current president, Barbara Christie, uh, and our um, current vice president, Darren Jordan, or actually president-elect. Sorry, Darren, I'm getting ready to promote you right off the bat. Uh, we, we will wait till the end of the podcast to, to take care of that. But uh, Barbara and Darren, really excited that you could join us here today. Good morning. Thank morning. you, Mark. Great. Um, I, you know, the, the goal really is to give uh, our listeners a chance to get to understand and know you better, know your priorities for the bar, and a little bit of background. I think a lot of people tend to view the state bar as this monolith in Raleigh. Obviously, uh, those of us that have worked with the state bar for a long time know that's not true, but I think it's helpful uh, to find out more information. Um, we've had our investigator, Heidi Bloom, do some deep background material. Uh, she may join us as well, particularly if there's any deviation. Uh, from the truth than any of your answers. So please be, be aware of that up front. Barbara, I thought I'd start with you. You know, I asked what I thought was a simple question, which is where you live. And, and I got this answer of snow camp. And I don't know what or where that is. Can you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about snow camp? Uh, yes, it got its name. It was settled by the Quakers a long time ago. It's in southern Alamance County. And it, and it got its name because um, one of the Revolutionary War generals was said to have camped there and it snowed. So yeah. <laughs> okay. but it's sort of famous for it, had an outdoor drama for years called uh, Sword of Peace. It was about the Quakers' resistance, um, passive resistance to the war. It's, gotcha. it's a, really a farming community. Okay. Um, and for those that don't know, Alamance County is kind of between... Greensboro and Durham. It's a, I, I think we drive through That's Alamance right. County if you're going on, on 85, but it, it may not be uh, one of our better known counties. Um, that's neat. Now, so do I take it, you said it's a farming community. I know in our last podcast, our urban listeners reacted with shock and disgust when they learned that Colin Willoughby uh, grew up on a farm and knew a lot about animals. Is it, is it true you also own animals? We do that. We're kind of are letting our animals. We used to have some beef cattle, but we're down to one lowly cow now. We have a couple of horses, dogs, uh, got rid of our chickens, but we okay. have had a variety of animals. We have right, a, so we've had about 90 acres of land. All right. Got you. So a history of animals, but you're shifting away. Is, is that because you just you need to devote more and more time to your professional responsibilities? <laughs> it's because my husband's getting older and tired of taking care of <laughs> gotcha all right um I, I know a story that that went around this summer uh, was that you actually discovered an animal um in your dresser is, is that story true and can you share uh, can you share what animal it was that made it way into your dresser I'm afraid I'm afraid it is true and it was a um, black snake I actually saw it on the floor and of course my husband was already gone for the day so I called my neighbor um, I'm not fond of snakes putting it mildly and when he got there the <laughs> snake had disappeared so we okay. had to go for a search and decided to open the dresser drawers and there it was curled up so. <laughs> wow 
that is a bit of a shock. Now, Darren, have you had any snakes in your home, or, or are you limited to the to to more enjoyable animals like fish? Um, I I have not had any snakes inside my home, no sir. Okay. I, I hate snakes equally, um, absolutely. Um, however, I do find that they are uh, an important uh, species, so um, I don't try to kill them. I, I just try to shoo them away. There you go. That sounds like the environmentally friendly uh, thing to do and probably appropriate coming from someone that loves the outdoors. Now, I know you live in Salisbury, but I understand you recently also acquired a place in Cullowee. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, I actually live in Kannapolis. Um, okay. I was raised in Salisbury and I practice law in Salisbury, but I live in Kannapolis. We moved down there about 20 years ago. But yeah, we did buy a place up in Cullowee. My daughter goes to Western Carolina. Um, and, um, my love of trout fishing and stuff, um, I, we decided that, uh, we would take the, uh, uh, you know, the advantage of my daughter going to school in the mountains and buy a place up there. So it's worked out pretty well. Congratulations. And I imagine that's particularly nice with the pandemic and the, the limited ability to travel anywhere else at least gives you a chance to get out of town and go somewhere. Uh, if listeners don't know, I know Cullowee's in the mountains, but I don't think I could put it on a map. Can you give us a little orientation for uh, ge geographically challenged listeners? So it's uh, southwest of uh, Asheville um, in between Asheville and Murphy, uh, okay. North Carolina, which is where our own Jerry Collins uh uh, lives and, and practices and breathes. So, um, yeah, it's a great little place, uh, small. It's, it's actually a very large county. It, it encompasses uh, some of Cherokee um, and Maggie Valley and things of that sort. So. Great, great. Now, I know you love fly fishing. I've been lucky enough to go on a fly fishing trip with you, and I think we have a lot of listeners that, that love it, too. I'm, I've been dying to ask, and I've gotten a number of requests before the show, uh, to have you list a couple of your favorite fly fishing spots, as well as your largest catch. Well, um, a good fisherman never reveals his sources. <laughs> <laughs> and so I note I that our, and our, deep, our deep investigator was unable to locate specific ones, despite a number of spy cams uh, placed around the property. So, you know, it is, it is guarded. I will say that I like to fish in the North Carolina mountains. I've fished in Virginia. That pinpoints it. <laughs> and, and, and I've also fished in Alaska. And I'll tell you where I fished in Alaska. I fished on the Kenai River. I'll give that one up for those right. viewers who want to make the uh the 12-hour plane ride up there so <laughs> sounds good and any particular catch i know i know you know fly fishing sometimes unlike other anglers is less obsessed with the pounds and ounces of of every fish but any any particularly memorable um catch or experience you could share about your fly fishing adventures oh just all the 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 four or five trips I've made to Alaska, they have been the most memorable. Although um, I make memories every weekend, I go up to Cullowee. Um, in fact, I just had a, a super trip this past weekend, um, and I caught lots of fish. And I actually got a North Carolina Grand Slam, which is a brook, a rainbow, and a, a brown trout. So uh, wow. it was a good time, good time. And I won't reveal that location either so yeah no, understandable but congratulations on the grand slam that is pretty elusive i think even for pretty regular fly fishers 
Now, mentioning travel to Alaska, Barbara, I know you and your husband, Rick, like to travel a lot. Can you give us an overview of some of your travel adventures? Well, lately, lately there haven't been any. <laughs> I know that feeling. We have yes. to go back to the, to the pre-2020 times. But, Which uh, seems so far, so long ago. But um, we went for our anniversary. Maybe it was last year, year before. We went on a, a Viking River cruise down the Danube, which was really nice. So we, that was our most memorable. And then lots of times we go out to California to visit our daughter and grandson and, and traveled a lot out there in some areas. No, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and, and I understand in addition to travel that you are a painter um, and have a number of artworks displayed in galleries around the country. Is that true? Absolutely not. <laughs> So, oh, okay. okay. All I right, think you right, failed right. on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we our, our actually, spy camp found a studio on the property with you with paint and oil. Is that part true? It is true. And we have um, our barn is decorated with works of art. So it's probably okay. a, and, and Christmas lights. All right. So there's a nugget of truth, but the world gallery thing that that's somebody else using your name to okay. display that art. Yes. As best we, yeah. as best that's, that's, right. that's your contention. Okay. Gotcha. Um, uh, and, and then a la last personal topic, and we will talk a little bit about your priorities with the bar, but, uh, but this has been, uh, this, this has been uh, fascinating. I, I know, Barbara, you're, you're involved in a number of, of charitable projects. Are there any that you want to share for, for charitable listeners that are, that are listening in? What, what are some of your favorite causes? Well, my, a lot of those have been through our church, and um, through that, I've been particularly involved in something called Zoe, which is empowers orphans in a lot of the African countries who are having to raise their younger siblings you know, because of all the adults that were lost to the AIDS crisis. So it's a great program. And then personally, I helped start a food pantry in Southern Alamance County because we didn't have one there. And that's probably been about seven years ago. And this year, it, the need for that has just I think we saw our number of people served quadruple. So, wow. Um, just all of food insecurity and what I've learned about that has been real meaningful. Yeah, well, and, and that's so important. So thank you so much for doing that. I, I think, you know, that, that you know, t really dealing with those community needs and basic things like foods are so important. And so that's, that is wonderful. Um, and Darren, I, I didn't want to uh, wrap up talking to you without at least some discussion of the great fire of, uh, of 2020, uh, or, or was it 2021? I guess it was 2021 because it had occurred just yeah. before our state bar meeting. Um, uh, can you share with our listeners what, what happened for those, of the, for those that have not driven by uh, your Salisbury offices? So, um, so we have a building that my uh, senior law partner owns, and we uh, we rent it from him and operate out of there. It was built in 1848. Um, it's probably one of three buildings on Main Street, I'm told, that was left after the Civil War, after Sermon's March through here. Um, about 2.30 a.m. on the 7th of January, I get a call, and it's from my law partner's uh, wife, and it has her name across my phone, and I went, oh, no, Cecil's dead. Um, and which is my greatest fear. And, um, I answered the phone and, uh, fortunately he wasn't, uh, but 
unfortunately, she said, uh, our office is on fire. So uh, I got out of bed, went up there. Um, someone, apparently, according to uh, the uh, investigators, uh, threw something through my law partner's, senior partner's window. Um, and uh, they think it was gasoline of some sort. And it just engulfed his entire office. It destroyed everything. Um, our, our reception area was destroyed. Um, and the good part of all of it was that all of our, uh, the, the fire was extinguished pretty quickly. All of our files were on the other side of the building. Um, and to date, we don't know that we've lost, we can't, we can't account that we've lost for lost any files in the fire. And that's, uh, that's a blessing. You know, we're trying to, trying to look up, have a little bright side of everything. Um, we'll just uh, build back better and uh, hopefully more improved and uh, get past this tragedy. So thank you wow. for asking that. I want to, I want to also thank all of the attorneys, counselors, judges who've called or text or sent me an email. Um, the support we've had has been extraordinary. Um, and, and I think that my service on the state bar has brought a lot of that, has given me contacts. And that's why I've had so people from all across the state uh, to give me a call, whether it be from Murphy all the way to, to Manio, as they say. So I want to appreciate want to say I appreciate every phone call, every text, every email I've gotten, whether I've been able to respond or not. But thank you. Well, and I know all of us <clears throat> are just horrified at that kind of tragedy. And it's hard to imagine how disruptive that's got to be to lose your office and all, all you know, and, the, and it's and all those all those collections, certainly a significant blow. Barbara, I wanted to turn a little bit to talk about the state bar and, and to ask you, as our newly sworn in president, whether you've got priorities for the upcoming year, anything you want to share with our listeners on, on that front. Well, Mark, there were some real important priorities and projects that were already in place when I took over, and I really want to just move those along, I guess would be my main priority. We've got a wonderful staff, and we've got a lot of leadership in our counselors. And as president, I just want to make sure they have the tools and resources they need to get the work done. Um, where we are, the things that affect the legal profession are really the same that affect everybody else. And this year, a lot of that's been technology and all the changes in that. And then a lot of what's gone on culturally as we've all kind of re-examined issues of diversity and inclusion and implicit bias. So these are things that we're studying at the state bar. Um, we have a committee that is busy, which you're well aware of as you're heading it, thank you. Um, studying kind of regulatory innovations, things that are going on around the nation and the legal profession. And we're just spending a lot of time educating ourselves on that before we determine next steps. And similarly, we have a handful of committees looking at different aspects of the issues of really systemic racism, diversity, inclusion, bias, and how all of that kind of impacts our delivery of legal services. So these, I think, are, are, are some of our most important initiatives. Great. <clears throat> Sounds good. No, thanks for sharing 
those. Um, and Darren, I know you've got a year before you ascend to the throne. Uh, do you have thoughts on, on, on things that might become your top priorities as, as, that, as, as October approaches? Well, I think the, the uh, structure that we have at the state bar lends itself to a lot of continuity. Um, and I think what Barbara was talking about um, in terms of all of the uh, things that uh, Colin had started last year uh, are things that she's kind of picked up, uh, picked the, the, uh, the water bucket, as Colin would say, uh, and is carrying at this point in time. And I anticipate that when uh, my time comes around in October, um, that that water bucket's going to be a little more, have more water in it, have be a little fuller, and um, there are going to be things that I'm going to need to uh, to continue. Um, and I think that's the beauty of what the structure of the state bar has been. Um, we've we've always had some continuity, and we've always sort of. Uh, spiced up the meal a little bit with a little more pepper or salt or whatever each year. Um, and those are the new programs that the incoming um, president come, come with. Um, I do, I think that uh, one of the things that we lose um, in translation is the fact that the problems that we face at the state bar that come uh, in our into our sort of our, our regulatory scheme uh, are not always black and white. Um, and that's why I think that Barbara and the other officers and Colin uh, have been really careful into not jumping into the fray and saying, this is what we've got to do for this problem. Um, the state bar has always impressed me with the, uh, with the mythology of, of studying something very carefully before uh, making decisions. And uh, it could be frustrating to some. I'm sure that some people wish we would have done some things with regards to the diversity issue um, and, and the, the racial bias issue. I think they wish we would have done something immediately, but um, sometimes a rush to judgment and a rush to, to, to a solution is not the best way to do it. Um, I always appreciate um, people who can come up with solutions. Um, and I don't appreciate people who only only look at the problems. And I think the state bar does a good job of not only discovering what the problems are, but coming up with a solution. And they, we've got a method to our madness, uh, whether you like it or not. Um, it's tried and proven. Um, and uh, while we probably I'm sure we don't always make the right decision. We, we do our very best to make the right decision. And I think that's a, might I answer your question? I don't have any programs for next year at this point. No, I think it's an evolution. I'm sure Barbara didn't think we would be in this, uh, uh, reviewing some of the things that we're reviewing this year when she first became uh, president-elect. So it's an ever-evolving situation. So. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I think it's very true. And I appreciate you reminding our listeners that we've got, you know, a, a long history and a lot of in a, in a lot of process, we work through a number of committees that do a lot of work, we've got, you know, officers year after year that carry on that tradition, the mere fact that we've got a vice president, president elect president past president as our four officers gives you that longer term continuity, unlike some organizations where you pop in as president for a year and pop out. <clears throat> we've got We've got a lot of continuity. <clears throat> and I think that's a strength for, 
you know, for an organization with the, with the various responsibilities we do. So I appreciate both of you serving uh, as officers. Well, it is trivia time. We like to end these bar talks with some exciting trivia uh, about what's going on in the state bar to help our listeners understand some of the numbers around the state bar and to make uh, test the knowledge of our officers. So, um, and uh, Darren, you were just talking about the number of counselors and committees that we have. Every year, the state bar publishes a uh, photo directory, and I've gone through that and counted up the number of counselors and public members. And so the first trivia question is, how many counselors and public members are currently at the North Carolina State Bar? Barbara, we'll give as the president, we'll let you go first, and then uh, Darren, you can go second on this one. We'll take turns. Um, about 60. 60 is her guess. Darren, what do you think? <clears throat> you can give a number or if you want to be, uh, you could also say hi, low, we'll give you some leeway. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's low. I think it's 65. Wow. All right. Well, you both impressed me. Those are after last time with Marcy and Colin and their wild guesses. Um, you're starting off stronger. The correct number is 64. So that round goes to Darren, but 60 is a very good guess. On the same vein, we also have pictures of all our dedicated staff members at the State Bar. So now this time, starting with you, Darren, how many current staff members, full and part-time, are there at the North Carolina State Bar? I'll say 72. Uh, higher, maybe 80, 85. All right. The correct number is 88. So Barbara comes back to tie it up at one apiece. Um, I sent a Christmas card to each of them. So. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> <I counted> them. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Uh, that fits your charitable spirit, Barbara. That's, <laughs> that, that's really thoughtful. I doubt that happens every year. All right. So if those are the number of counselors and number of staff members, I wanted to talk a little bit um, about other numbers. Um, let's start with the number of lawyers in North Carolina. Back to you, Barbara, on the current number of, of lawyers licensed by the North Carolina State Bar. Actually, Darren and I both know this because we've heard it numerous times lately. So it's slightly over 30,000. All right. Good. Do you concur, Darren? Um, I would. I thought it was something like 29,860 or something, but I would go with Barbara. All right. And that's that. Yeah, 30,000 is the number I had. We'll see if Peter wants to chime in with a more exact figure. I know it does change all the time so far, but I, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you both credit on that. We'll call that one a tie, keeping things uh, dead even. Um, next question is not about lawyers, but about paralegals. Um, as many lawyers know, and as we'll find out later today in a regulatory change committee, um, North Carolina has a very vibrant and active certified paralegal program where paralegals that want to get certified by the state bar take an exam uh, and get issued st uh, state bar certification. Um, we'll start back with you on this one, Darren. How many certified paralegals are there in the state of North Carolina? I'm going to throw a guess, 17,000. All right. And then Barbara, what um, is your guess? I'll say lower than that, maybe, uh, I don't know, 6,000. Barbara's much closer. The figure I saw was just under 5,000. We're going to give that one to Barbara 
Barbara leads Darren two to one with one final question to go. Um, each year, the State Bar approves an annual budget. Um, we're going to start with you, Darren, and ask, uh, no, actually, no, this one goes to Barbara because you got to go second. So Barbara, what is the annual budget for the State Bar for 2021? Darren's chair of the Finance and Audit Committee. So, <laughs> so that might give him an edge. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't have to be to the dollar, although if you know it that exactly, you can use it as a tiebreaker. But yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I've looked at everything on that budget, but the total. I'm going to say $10 million. Barbara's guess is $10 million. Darren? Um... I mean, we don't look at the total number. We sort of look at the specifics yeah. as finance and audit. So, uh, the rest of us only have time to look at the bottom line, Darren. So, yeah. that, <laughs> I'll say, I'll say it's higher than ten. The actual number is nine million. So Barbara wins that, and therefore wins the trivia round as well. It's just over nine million dollars. Our, our annual. Um, annual budget. Um, Peter reminds folks that if you want an easy way to, to find out that number at home, take the 30,000 lawyers and the $300 a year dues and you come up with a pretty good estimate. That's the huge bulk of our uh, revenue source are those uh, lawyer dues that are paid. Obviously, there are a few little other things like CLE, but that's largely self-contained. So thanks for that reminder, Peter. Again, both are very close. And, and I think compared to the abysmal showing in our last bar talk, uh, you can both uh, retain your seats uh, as safe bar officer. So, you know, unfortunately, as you know, Colin was asked to leave after the, the quiz and departed in October based on some of his answers. So you've done better, uh, done better and try to keep that officer pride. After alive. hearing them, we've both been studying. Yeah, you've been studying up, right? Right, and and yeah, and I, I got the sealed, I got the sealed envelope just recently, so no one knows what quiz questions are going to come. It, it you know heightens the suspense for these uh, for these bar talk sessions. Um, we're about out of time, but let me see if any of you have some final comments or or remarks for our listeners. Anything you want to share about you or the bar that we may not have had a chance to cover? Uh, I'll start with you, Darren. Um, no, I'm just, you know, I don't know that folks really appreciate the fact how humbled I am to have been asked to continue serving on the state bar. And um, it's not a cliche, although it sounds like it sometimes that being on the state bar council has been the most professionally rewarding thing uh, that I could imagine I could have done as a lawyer. Um, and again, it sounds like a cliche. And the reason why it does is because everyone says it because it's true. Um, and uh, I'm humbled by, by being selected and allowed to, uh, to continue serving. And I look forward to uh, continuing the opportunity to work with, uh, with not just Barbara, but with Colin um, and Marcy. Um, and I think they, the experience and the, uh, you know, just the knowledge that they have, I'm impressed every time I'm in the room, but um, I'm just, I'm, I'm humbled to be able to serve with them and to continue serving with counselors. The counselors we have are the, the cream of the crop in North Carolina uh, for lawyers and, and who can say enough about the staff at the state bar? I mean, they're just incredible. And they make us all look good, all the attorneys in North Carolina. So 
Um, it pleases me to be able to talk to a lawyer who may be having trouble with either membership or something like that. And I can say, um, you know, hey, pick up the phone and call and ask for Tammy Jackson. She's one of the nicest people you'll ever talk to. Um, and she'll help you through whatever problem you have. And if she can't help you, she'll find something, someone who can. So um, what a privilege that is to, uh, to serve with the state bar. So that's all I have. Fantastic. I, I agree with absolutely everything that Darren said and, and would also just say that it's been wonderful this year, kind of seeing how the lawyers of North Carolina have really stepped up and, and risen to the occasion during this coronavirus. I mean, they have continued to show up in court when they've had to, to make sure things got done, that the citizens' needs are met, and have put in countless hours of pro bono service for our citizens. It's just been, it's not a surprise to me, but it's just been very gratifying to, to see how the lawyers really care about what they're doing and making sure that justice is done. Fantastic. Well, on those, on those notes, we will wrap up this episode. Again, thank you so much, Barbara, Darren, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Bar Talk, the official podcast of the North Carolina State Bar. Stay tuned for future episodes, not only interviews with officers, but more information about how the State Bar runs, what issues the State Bar is dealing with, uh, and how you can learn more uh, about your North Carolina State Bar. Thanks again for listening.